Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Today we're going to get into the, the, the scriptures. We've been going through the Bible, reading through the Bible chronologically, and, uh, and this week we celebrate Christmas, right? Merry, Merry Christmas, everybody. For those of you that have, are, are just joining us, maybe you haven't been a part of this process. Back in January, we started a, a yearly reading plan, reading through the Bible chronologically. And so from, Jan, from January until now, we've read through the Old Testament. This week, we, we got into the New Testament and we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you didn't get your Christmas present, make sure you look at that person next to you and be like, what gives? Where's my Christmas present? It's time, it's time to, to, to celebrate. And uh, as, we, as we read that, as we, as we celebrate Christmas in October, uh, it's actually, and I'm going to give you like five-minute history lesson. Can I do that? Sure. It's actually closer to the time of maybe you might want to close your kids' ears. I don't know how you guys do. Maybe I'm bursting your Christmas bubble. But Jesus wasn't born December 25th. And so... <laughs> So as we read about the birth of Jesus in the month of October, it's actually closer to probably, like it's probably, I'm not giving dates and I'm not saying for sure, because I don't know and I wasn't there, um, but it's probably closer to his, his date of birth. Well, how can we surmise that? There's several things in the text that we can look at. When we look at Luke chapter one, it says that Zechariah was in the temple and he was, he was burning incense and the angel appeared to him and said, Zechariah, you're going to give birth to a son. We know that son was John the Baptist, which was going to be the cousin of Jesus. It says that Zechariah was from the clan of Abijah. He was a priest serving in the temple as a, as, as a member of the, the order of Abijah or Abijah, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, you go back to First Chronicles chapter 24, and I'm going to go fast through this because this isn't my message. First Chronicles 24, David assigned the priestly duties by clan. There, was, there were 24 leaders. And so they cast lots to see which week during the year they would serve in the temple. And so because he was of the order of Abijah, we know that he either served in the 10th week or the 34th week. They were given the 8th and the, 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 the 24th. And so, but, but there's three weeks during the year where all the priests served together, where it wasn't just by clan, but it was all of us. And those were the, the, the feasts where everybody would come to Jerusalem. So you have Passover, you have Pentecost, and then you have tabernacles. During those times, everyone would serve. But because he's serving in the temple, we can, we can go back. And from the first of the year, which wasn't Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah didn't become the Jewish New Year until several centuries AD. It was the first of Nisan, which was in the spring, which is around Easter time for us, those of you that don't, don't have those Jewish holidays on your calendar. And so, so if the first of the year is around Easter time, you go 10 weeks after that, it, it, most likely he was serving in the temple sometime around May when the angel came to him and said, your, your wife's going to be pregnant. Then you take six months from that, because in the six months, the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. So, so six months from there, and then nine months from there gives us sometime between September and October-ish. Okay? So... There's, there's, I understand, like, there's a lot, there's a lot of things, like a lot of assumptions. Did they all carry, did they both carry full term? I don't know. Did they conceive as soon as the angels? I don't know. But if you work backwards from the dates and with the information that we're given, most likely sometime between September and October, we didn't start uh, celebrating Christmas on December 25th until a couple centuries AD. There was a Roman emperor that's like, hey, this state, we're going to celebrate it. Now, does that mean that it's wrong? I know that there are some people that are like, well, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> like, why would you not? 
just because we don't know the exact date. And, and understand, they didn't celebrate birthdays like we celebrate birthdays today. Like they, they didn't, they, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a priority to them, getting presents every year for their date of birth. And so um, just wanted to, to give you that brief history lesson. Is that okay? Now, if you want to get mad at me and be like, Pastor John, you ruined Christmas for me. I'm sorry. But from now on, you can just celebrate Christmas the first week of October. Like we are. just set a new tradition in your family. I'm giving you new traditions that you guys can celebrate together. All right. Uh, okay. So, so we've, we've gotten into the New Testament. We've read how that Jesus, you know, Jesus was born. Jesus grew. Uh, Jesus is baptized by John. We've seen the, the dove descend upon him, the Holy Spirit descend upon him. And, and Jesus has begun his earthly ministry. At what age did Jesus begin his ministry? 30 years of age. At what age were, were the Jewish men able to start serving as priests in the temple? 30 years old. So Jesus has come of age. And rather than serving as a priest within the temple and, and, and according to the old religious structure, he came as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a priest and as a king to set up a new way of doing things. He came to, to not abolish the old because the Bible says he, he didn't come to, to, to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So he came as the fulfillment of the law and, and begins teaching and begins healing people. And this week as he has begun his work, his earthly ministry, we've seen, uh, we, we've seen him turn water into wine. We've seen him, him heal people. We've seen him teaching. We've seen some, some people start to gather around him and he's starting to develop this following. And there's, there's disciples now that have either joined, ch chosen to join on their own accord or he's called them out and said, come and follow me. I'll teach you how to fish for people. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read a portion of scripture and then we're going to go into it a little bit deeper to see what does this mean for us today. We're going to begin reading in verse 33. The verse will be on the screens for you. Here's what the Bible says, that one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do, so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Now let's pause right here because I want you to understand what's going on. Jesus is walking around with his disciples Some people come up and, and Jesus begins to be, be questioned, criticized, if you will, for the fact that his disciples aren't being very observant of the traditional religious system. John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray, but your disciples are always snacking on stuff. The Pharisees' disciples are always fasting, but your disciples walk around with hot Cheetos in their pockets. Jesus, what gives? What's going on? Can you explain this to us? And so he's being criticized because he's not following the old religious order and Jesus responds to their question and he doesn't respond to it in a way that they assume, but he responds by bringing the focus back to him. He says, listen, do, do wedding guests fast when they're celebrating with the groom? Who is the groom in this story? Jesus is the groom. Because I'm only going to be here for a period of time and I'm going to go and trust me, when I'm taken away from them, there's going to be plenty of fasting going on. Because they're going to be running and in, 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 in fear for their lives. 
They're not going to know what's going on. They're going to be trying to spread the gospel. They're going to be given this incredible task that is going to be so far beyond them that they will be fasting in order to receive the power of God. Like, don't worry, that time is coming. But for now, let's not focus on the fasting, but remember that the groom is here. So he responds to this question by bringing the attention and the focus back to him. From the very beginning, he, he's teaching, stop focusing on religion and focus on me. He continues, Jesus gave, gave them this illustration. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment, for then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that, that even today we celebrate your birth. And it doesn't matter what the date on the calendar is, Lord, we thank you that you stepped out of heaven. You came to earth. You put on the form of a servant. And you came not to be served, but to serve to give us new life and to open new doors. We thank you for that today. And Lord, as we, as we study your word, as we examine your word, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart, each and every one of us. Whatever it is that, that you want to deposit in us today, we give you control. We give you access. We open up our hearts to you today and say, God, have your way. Whatever you want to, to do to encourage, whatever you want to say to encourage, whatever you, you want to, to say to correct, Lord, we are our are humble today. We are willing today. We are eager to hear from you today. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, I, I found one of the biggest scams, in my opinion, uh, is phone chargers. Right? Phone chargers, iPad chargers, computer chargers. Because here's what happened. They, they develop this, this tablet, they develop an iPad, phone, whatever the case may be, and they, in the box, send you a charger with it. They're like, you, you know, plug this end into the wall, plug this end in, we all know how a phone charger works. But then the time comes in a couple years that you need a new phone. You need a new tablet, you need a new computer. So we go and we get a new computer, and then we get home and all of the chargers, because nobody has just one charger, you got a charger in your car. You got a charger in your bedroom. You got a charger on your kitchen counter. You got a charger in the basement. Anybody else have chargers just like littering the house? And then not only do we have them sp spread out throughout the house, but then we have that one drawer in the kitchen <laughs> that's just full of chargers. And we don't know where they go or what they go to or what they're from or how old they are or if they even work, but you never know when you're gonna need just a random charger. So just throw it in the drawer. But you get these, the, this new device, you get this new iPad, you get this new whatever, and you go to plug it into your old charger only to realize it doesn't fit anymore. Because with the new device comes a new charger. And you could take the old charger and you could take the new device and you can try and make them work, but the only thing you're going to do is end up ruining both the charger and the device. You can't force the new into the old. 
And we understand that in the natural, we understand that when it comes to our device chargers, but that's what Jesus here is saying. He's saying you, you can't force the old and the new together. Jesus, you have to understand, didn't come to, he didn't come to, to be a part of your old life. Jesus didn't come to even change your old life. But this morning, there's, there's two things that I want you to write down. And the first one is this. Jesus came to give us something new. He came to give us something brand new. Not to just change the old. Not to, to give you a little spit shine to make you clean up around other people. But he came to give you something new. How many of you guys like new things? Yes. The angel really likes new things. <laughs> Do you... You couldn't, if you couldn't pick up by that emphatic yes coming from the front row over here, those of you online, I'm sure you probably heard that yes as well. If you couldn't pick up, angels love language. Anybody want to guess? Gifts. There you go. Love new things. We all love new things, right? We don't want old things. We want new things. That's why every time you go to the store and you're buying toothpaste, every toothpaste tube says what? New and improved. What's new about it? Now, 33% more on the bag of chips. And so you pick up the bag of chips and you throw it in, only to get home and open it and realize that it's 33% empty. Like, I don't understand. Fill it up. And you said 33% more. We all want new and improved. Nobody wants just the old stuff. Nobody, nobody likes when, when people re-gift things. You ever been to a white elephant party? Right? There's, there's, a people, there's, there's two kinds of people at a white elephant party. The one that like spends more than the budgeted amount and comes with like Starbucks gift cards and like all the fun stuff that is gone right away because it's stolen. And then there are the people that bring those gifts that you want to make sure you see what bag they, they walk in with because I'm not picking that gift. That's, that's the Vanderveldes. If you ever attend a white elephant Christmas party with the Vanderveldes because they will re-gift things that they got 15 years ago and come in like Merry Christmas. And it's like, what the heck is this? It's a little angel Christmas figurine that their great grandma probably bought. <laughs> Nothing against those of you that collect little angel figurines. But nobody, nobody likes, nobody likes the re-gifting, right? It's like in Toy Story when they're opening the presents and you hear Andy open the presents and he goes, bed sheets. And then Mr. Potato Head on the radio is like, who invited that kid? Nobody likes those kinds of gifts. We all want something new. And the thing is, Jesus came to give us something new. He came not to just shine up your old life, but he came to give you new life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that. This means that, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is what? It's gone. It's gone. It's not there anymore. You can't, you can't, you can't find it. A new life has begun. The old is gone and the new has come. I think sometimes in the church, we, we can tend to say things that sound cute and they sound good and they might make for, for good little sound bites. But I think, I think sometimes we can say things that lead us in a wrong way of thinking. We can say things like Jesus came into my life. We invite Jesus into our hearts. As if Jesus just wants to come and take part. 
Jesus, Jesus didn't come to take part in your life. Jesus came to take over your life. He didn't come to be, to be the icing on the cake. He said, let me bake the cake. Why don't you get out of the kitchen and let me show you how it's done. And when we say things like that, we can have this mindset like, like we just, when we come to Jesus and when we surrender and submit ourselves to Jesus, we place our faith in him, then that process in our mind looks like us taking all of the old stuff, all of the, the old us, the old baggage, the old mindsets, the old habits, the old ways of thinking, and we're like, all right, Jesus, I place my faith in you. Now come be a part of this. And Jesus is like, I didn't come to be a part of that. I didn't come to play a part in your old way of living. I came to give you a new life. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. But it's Christ that lives in me. And this new life that I live, I live by faith in him. It's not me that lives, but it's, it's him living in me. See, this means that the old way of thinking has to go. The old way of doing things has to go. See, when we come to Jesus and and we surrender to him and we receive him not just as our savior, but as the Lord, as the master of our life. It's not, just, it's not just getting a new charger for an old device. It's getting an entirely new device. It's not, just, it's not just getting a new patch on an old garment, he says. It's getting a whole new garment. It's not, it's not just getting some new wine and putting it into the old wineskins. It's it's getting new wine and new wineskins together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Now's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on instead your new nature. So again, here's the the old and the new. Strip off the old nature, put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, to learn and to become indicates that there is a process that must be followed. It doesn't happen overnight. Yes, he came to give us new, but we must understand what that new is, what it looks like, and how to walk in it. So many Christians are like the Pharisees. We just go through the motions, we focus on the religious tradition, and we miss out on the new that Jesus came to bring. We miss out on the new that he has for us. And while we want new and we appreciate new and we look for new, we have access to new, but I think a lot of us miss out on the new because the new requires work. See, we can have what we've always had by doing what we've always done, or you can change what you're doing and have the new that Jesus came to give you. The second thing I want you to write down is that the new requires work. It requires work. It's not easy. It's not easy. See, salvation is free, but abundant life will cost you. Salvation is free, but discipleship requires you dying to yourself and picking up your cross. Salvation is free, but Jesus didn't just come to get you saved. He didn't, he, didn't just, he didn't just give up his life on that cross and rise again three days later so that you could get your get out of hell free card. 
He came so that you could, in this life, live a transformed life, a new life, being transformed into his image, being ambassador of his kingdom, spreading the good news about Jesus to the ends of the earth, and making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That is why he came. Yes, salvation is part of it, but we always say salvation is not the end game. If salvation was God's end game for you, then the minute you said, Lord, I give you my heart and I give you my life, boom, you would have been taken to heaven. Mission accomplished. We're good. How many of you, when you got saved, you didn't, did not immediately get transported to the pearly gates? Anybody? Okay. All of us here. That means that there is something more that he has for us. That means that there's, there's, there's a plan and there's a purpose that, that, that there's a reason why he's left us here. It's so that we could walk in the newness of life. And be distributors of that newness as well so that we can, we can walk in the hope that we found and then be quick to give a reason for the hope that we found and so that we could, we could be a disciple learning to, to become like our creator who then can teach other people to become like their creator as well. That's the reason we're here. There's the, the, the newness, but, but new requires work. Yeah. See, new indicates growth. It's not new unless it's, unless it's grown. There's, there's progress that has been made. I think if we were all honest, we, we want progress in our lives. We want, we want our lives to, to grow. We want our relationships to grow. We want our kids to grow. We want our families to grow. We want our businesses to grow. We want our finances to grow. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? We want those things that we do to grow. We want them to be new, but nobody wants to, to put in the, the work that new requires. Nobody wants to become stagnant. Nobody wants to be stale. Nobody wants to, you ever smelt stagnant water? It's disgusting. I worked for a summer at a landscaping company, and one of the things that we would do is we would go and we would clean out these ponds that people had just left. There's no running water. For years, this pond sat stagnant. And we would show up and they'd be like, all right, we got to drain it. We got to clean it. And you get in there and you start digging out some of that stuff that is just, just left to fester for so long. Like it would, if you don't have, if you don't have strong gag reflexes, like if, if you don't want to do that job. But I did it. It was only twice I threw up, twice. <laughs> Two times it was that bad. Some of our lives are so stagnant. When we get around people, it's like, you ever found somebody like that? That there's just no, there's, there's, there's such a, a hesitancy to grow. There's just stagnant, and, and in that stagnation, they just get stiff and stubborn, and it's like, nobody wants to be around that person. Nobody wants to be stagnant. We all want something new, but the new requires work. In Luke 5, he gave them this, this illustration. He said, he said, nobody puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. You know what that means? That means that before they even start to produce the wine, they have to do the work to make sure that they have new wineskins. Otherwise, they go through the process of making this wine, which was not, it's not how we understand the process today. What they would do is they would have this, this wine press that they would carve out of rock. 
And they would throw the grapes in this wine press and then they would jump in this wine press and they would just start stomping the grapes. And at the bottom of this, this dugout rock, there would be this channel that as they stomp the grapes and as they make the juice, the, the juice would run through this channel into another area that it would collect. I remember I saw a video a few years ago and there was this, this vineyard that was making wine this way. And so they were throwing a party celebration, like everyone come on out, community come out, we're going to do this event. And so the news showed up and they wanted to do a report and, and highlight what was going on. And, and in my mind, like you have to understand when I read about Gideon hiding in the wine press or when I, I read about new wine and wine skins and I think about how they make wine, this is the only video that ever comes to my mind. And I just want to bless you with it today. It has nothing to do with my message, but I just want to help you just visualize what that looked like. So guys, if you're ready, you can go put that on. These buckets are filled with grapes. What kind of grapes? These are filled with Chamberson grapes. And the winner this Saturday, who's stopped music, eating international foods, having wine tours and tastings, vineyard tours, seminars, arts and crafts. It's a lot of fun, a whole day. Stop. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, you can, you can turn it off. You can turn it off. Again, like, I could probably really try and stretch and reach and connect that to the text in some way, but I'm not going to. I just wanted to give you a, a glimpse into the way I read things and see things. I don't know if you heard my favorite part in the whole video is when she's on the ground. She's like, oh, and then she goes, I can't breathe. Did you guys <laughs> Because we've all been there. Yeah, the wind night guy is like, oh, I can't breathe. I'm going to die. And then it cuts back to the two people that die. Oh, man, I hope she's okay. She's not. Let me just, I'll let you know. I'm not even in the field, and I can tell you she's not okay. So when they would make wine, they would, like they, they would put the, put the, the grapes in this, in this cutout area, and they would, they would stomp on them. They would make the juice. And then what they would do is after they had made the juice, they would take they would take wineskins, and, and in ancient Near East, the, the wineskin was essentially a, a goat skin or a sheep skin. So they would skin a sheep, they would skin a goat, they would, they would seal the legs, and then they would pour the juice into the skin and wrap it all up and tie it tight. And then they would just leave it to hang because wine has to ferment. And so part of this fermentation process, the, the juices would release gas, and because the, the wineskin was sealed, if the wineskin wasn't new, and it wasn't fresh, and it wasn't pliable, and it wasn't malleable, then when the gases were released, an old wineskin that had become stiff would snap, it would break, the wine would spill out. And so he's saying, if, if, if you're making new wine, you have to have the new wineskin. Nobody makes new wine and puts it into the old skin because it's just going to burst. But how many of us in our walk with Jesus are like, Jesus, I want the new wine that you have for me, but why don't you just pour it into my old way of thinking? Why don't you just pour it into the old way of doing things? Why can't my old habits and this new wine be a part of the same process? And Jesus says, you, you can't do that. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. It was a process. You have to understand, in your life, growth is a process. And it's a process that you must be willing to take part in. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 52 is one of, one of those verses, and it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus grew. Now, that word grow, there were two Greek words for grow. This word for grow has the idea of intentional growth. It's not a passive growth. It's an active growth. It's a growth that you have to work at. It's a, it's a cultivating type of growth. Now, here's my question to us today. If Jesus had to intentionally grow, if Jesus had to put in work to grow, then what makes us today think that we don't have to put in work to grow? Jesus, for those of you that aren't aware, 100% God and 100% man, that's 200%. I know, math in heaven, I don't get it. 100 fully God and fully man, walking this earth had to be intentional about growth in his life. And we think that we can walk into church on Sunday and grow ourselves. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Lena. We think we, think we can come in and... Maybe everybody else can read through the Bible together. I don't need that. Everyone else can serve. I don't need that. Everyone else can join a small group. Everyone else can be generous. Everyone else can give sacrificial. Everyone else can do those things. I don't, I don't need that. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And really, that's the, that's the problem, is we say, I'm fine. See, one of the reasons that we don't see growth in our lives is because we're unwilling to do the work, the the other reason, and Jesus highlighted it in verse 39. Jesus says, why don't people want the new? Look at what he says. The old is just fine, they say. The old is just fine. I'm good. I don't need to do that. I don't need to, I don't need to be intentional. I don't need to read. I don't need to spend time with him. I don't need to pray. I don't need to, I don't need to worship. I don't need to serve. I don't need to surrender. I don't need to renew my mind. I don't need to go through Unveiled. I don't need to go to All Access. I don't need to, I don't, discipleship classes? Mm. My Wednesday nights are more valuable than that. When we say those things, do you know what, what's happening? Jesus is coming with newness and with growth. And he's saying, listen, I came to give you something new. And your old way of doing things, you'll continue to get what you've always gotten. And so you better enjoy what you have right now because that's all you're going to get. Or you can come to my table where there's new, but in order to access the new, you have to be willing to put away the old. You have to be willing to get rid of those things. You have to be willing to move past that stuff. But nobody wants to. We've become so comfortable and so complacent and so stagnant in our lives that it affects our relationship with the Lord and then it affects our relationship with our spouses or our friends. It affects our families. It affects our homes. It affects our communities. And we've seen this cascading effect where because we refuse to be intentional about growth, because we refuse to get rid of the old wineskins and do the work to make some new wineskins so that we can properly contain what God wants to deposit within us. Say the old is better. 
I'll just use my old wineskin. You know what would happen after they would use a wineskin once is, is it, would, it would stiffen up. Have you ever left a baseball glove out in the rain? You ever left anything leather out in the rain? What happens? It, it gets stiff. And these wineskins would get stiff. What's another word for stiff? Stubborn. Stubborn. I think there's so many of us that are just so stubborn. All that means is we're just operating with old wineskins. And we come to church and we spend time with God. It's like, God, give me new wine. God, do something new. God, I want to experience growth in my life. God, why is the same pattern being repeated? God, why do I always seem to go through the same things? God, give me new. Pour it into my old wineskin, though. Let me give me... Continue doing what I've always done. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. You will never, you will never grow until you're willing to do what it requires. And you will never have the new wine until you're willing to put away the old. You will never walk in the newness of life that that God has promised in his word. You will never experience the abundant life that Jesus paid for in John chapter 10, verse 10. You will never walk in the fullness of that as long as you continue to operate with your old way of thinking and your old way of doing things. Requires us taking off the old nature, putting on our new nature. Requires us picking up our cross, dying to self daily, leaving these old desires, these old wants, these old thoughts, these old habits, these old patterns. Leaving those all at the cross and saying, God, I follow you. God, the old is gone. The new has come. Today, I want to give you three questions. I want to ask you three questions. I want to leave you with three questions that you can go this week and ponder with the Holy Spirit and allow him to, you know how he does, just point his finger at anything in our lives that needs pointing at. Three questions that I want to leave you with today, and here's the first one. Have you become too comfortable to grow? Have you become too comfortable? No, ah, that's a lot of work. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I'm fine right where I am, and so I'll just continue to operate this way. And God's like, there's new wine. Ah, I had new wine years ago, and I'm fine with it. Have you become too comfortable to grow? The second one is this. Are you okay with everyone around you being stretched, except for you? When those gases would, would release in that new wineskin, what would happen to the wineskin? It would, it would stretch. And the stretching allowed it to contain the new. In your life, there is a stretching that takes place. <laughs> Anyone who's followed Jesus for any period of time knows that the more you follow him, the more stretching there is. Stretching isn't fun. Stretching isn't easy, especially the older you get. But the older you get, you know that stretching is important. I, I used to be able, listen, I used to be able to go golf and show up two minutes before my tea time and jump out of the car and go to the first tea box and smoke one right down the middle and would never feel a thing. I went golfing with my son and my nephew the other day. You know what time they showed up? We had, we had a 9.52 tea time. Do you know what time they showed up, two 16-year-old kids? 
9.55. You know what time I got there? 9.30. And you know what I was doing at 9.30? I'm not, I'm not pulling something on this, on this golf course. I kid you not. The last four years, the first time I go golfing at the beginning of the year, you know what happens? I dislocate a rib. You laugh at like true story. First time every year I make my tea time and I make my chiropractor appointment because I know <laughs> I'm dislocating a rib today, but I'm willing to pay the price. But as soon as that first round is over, I'm good for the year. It's that stretching. It's using things that you haven't used in a long time. Listen, the older we get, the longer we walk with Christ, the more important it is for us to be willing to be stretched. I think, I think we, we, we can tend to think that we've arrived or we've made it or we're good and I've gone through the stretching and I've gone through the pruning and I've gone through the process and I've, I've experienced growth in my life. There's always new seasons of growth that God wants to take you through. So in your, in your advanced walk with God, don't, don't be resistant to this process of stretching. And for those of you that are just starting this journey, understand that stretching is going to come and it might, it might be painful, but on the backside of stretching, you'll be able to do things that you couldn't do before. And you'll be able to walk in ways that you weren't able to walk before as you submit and surrender yourself to the stretching process. And then the third question is this, are you willing to change what you're doing so that what you're doing can grow? Are you willing to change what you're doing so that what you're doing can grow? A lot of times we come to God and say, God, grow what I'm doing. God, grow my business. God, grow my family. God, Bring intimacy in my marriage. God, grow my finances. God, grow. God's like, I can't, I can't grow what you're doing until you change what you're doing. That's not going to bring growth. You have to be willing to change. Do you want growth bad enough? Do you want new bad enough? Or are you complacent with the old? Are you complacent with where life is and where life is going? Are you complacent in your walk with the Lord? Are you complacent at home? Are you complacent at work? Like, okay, God made me for a purpose. And if I never really understand what that was, I'll be fine. Is that you? Or are you sitting here today and it's like, God, whatever I have to do, I'm willing to do. God, whatever I need to change, I'm willing to change. God, forgive me for trying to to put old patches on new garments and forgive me for trying to, to force old wine in, or new wine into old wineskins and, and forgive me for, for failing to recognize that Jesus, you didn't come to play a part in an old system, but you came to give us something brand new and radically new. And if you're not walking in that newness today, then don't leave this place without making the determination, the commitment, that I'm going to walk in what's new. I'm going to experience growth in my life. I'm willing to pay the price and I'm willing to change whatever I need to change to allow God to do whatever he wants to do in and through me. Amen. Stand with me this morning. If you're here today and you've never accepted the Lord as your savior, you've never You've never taken off that old nature, put on your new nature. Second Corinthians chapter five says that the, the new has come, the old is gone. Today, if you wanna say goodbye to the old and welcome in the new, here's what the Bible says. 
And if you would place your faith in Jesus, and if you would confess him as Lord, that if you would recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior, and that there is only one answer for that problem, and that is Jesus Christ, that he came as fully God and fully man, he hung on the cross and he took upon himself your unrighteousness so that he could impute to you his righteousness so that you could walk in newness of life. That if you would confess that, if you would believe that in your heart, surrender and submit your life to him, that your name would be written into his book of life. It's not a prayer that we pray. There's nothing magical in the words that we say. It's a decision. It's a conscious choice that you have to make. Some of us, we come to church and we, we say this prayer week after week and there's nothing wrong with the sinner's prayer. I think there's, there's a time and a place for the sinner's prayer, but, but don't get confused in that, well, I prayed that prayer years ago and so I must be good. Do you daily make a choice to follow him? Are you, are you choosing daily to be in relationship with him or are you relying on old wineskins? Lord, today we love you. We thank you. Lord, for those of us that are here that maybe we've never placed our faith in you. Lord, today we, we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord. Be the Lord of our lives from this day forward, not just today, not just in this moment. But God, we, we surrender and we, we give it all to you. We believe that God raised you from the dead, that you are who you said you were. You did what you said you did. And that because you did, we could be victorious as well. Lord, thank you that you didn't just come to play a part in my old messed up, jacked up way of living, but you came to take over and you came to make me brand new, to lead me in a new way, in a new life with a new purpose, with new meaning. And we thank you today for the new that is found in you. We thank you for the new wine. We thank you for the growth. We thank you, Lord, that if we would remain in you, John 15, you would remain in us, then we would be those that bear fruit. Lord, today, forgive us for settling for old wineskins and old wine. Forgive us for saying like those that said the old is just fine. The old is, the old is better. The old way of doing things. Lord, today I pray that, that each and every one of us would be challenged to follow you into the fullness of the newness that you have for each of us. Lord, as we go through those stretching times, thank you that you're with us. As we go through those pruning times, we thank you that you're with us. As we submit ourselves to this process of growth, we thank you that it's not for nothing, but daily we're being transformed into your image, that we might be those representatives that you have called us to be. We love you. We thank you. Give us opportunities this week to do just that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. I'm going to invite my prayer team to come down front. If there's anything that you have need of in your life, if you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, we'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time today, we'd love to, to celebrate with you, let you know the next steps and what you need to do on this spiritual journey. If not, feel free to be dismissed. Love you guys. Have a great week.
Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with